You just think we just, you know, whatever happens, we just shit another player. I, and everything's going to be perfect. All of our fans think that. You all think that. That's what you write about. Unacceptable in all areas. Unacceptable coaching, unacceptable playing, unacceptable effort, not what we're about. You don't want to be here. There's a specific reason. Not really, you know, I think we did a poor job recruiting. If guys are coming in and immediately walking out the door because it was something different than what they thought it would be. We lied to them during recruiting or we sold them on a dream that wasn't true. Like I said, coach our kids to, to do the right thing. Uh, you know, play with poise, play with confidence, play with dignity, play with class. At the same time, we're not going to take anyone's shit either. As we want to be a big, fast, dominating, aggressive, relentless football team that nobody in the SEC wants to play. Now, that's all, sir. It's second in the West, baby. Yes, sir. <laughs> hey, hey, I don't like getting it. It's the only time we're ever getting excited about second. From now on, it's first, okay? No, I want to do is fucking eat. I want you to eat. I want you to eat. I want you to want this shit. Do you want it? Do you want it? Show me. Bunch of this did it again. Welcome in to the latest episode of That SEC Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Bratton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter. And I'm joined, as always, by my cousin Shane, who goes by Big Orange Vowels on Twitter. What are you up to, you big Tennessee homer? <laughs> hey, buddy, what's going on? <laughs> Not much, Shane. We got a lot of action to get into, so let's just dive right in. But before we go around the league, Shane, our guy, Quinnen Williams, he's done it again. He's a <laughs> quote machine. Uh, if you have not seen this clip, we'll set it up for you real quick. Obviously, he's with the New York Giants now, but he saw he's in the first ever time in his life. He's in the Madden video game, and he is not totally satisfied <laughs> with his ranking. <laughs> My rating, I got an 80 on Ultimate Team, so I'm going to go play with myself today. So, see how I feel. That came out weird. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm mad. I'm going to play with myself. I'm mad. <laughs> this guy is just, I mean, he's our next Mike Leach. I'm loving this guy. Every every clip I hear, this guy, he's one of the best out there, isn't he? Oh, I love it. And the Jets team organization actually tweeted this out. That's what made it even better. It's like, you know what? We're embracing what we have. <laughs> Just going to sit here and play with myself, Mike. <laughs> oh, geez. All right, Shane. So I teased it there. We got a lot of action to get into. You ready to go around the league? Let's do it, Mike. Now let's go now around, let's the go around the league. Around the league. We haven't decided how we're going to play the guys, so I wouldn't tell you if I did. So, you know, I don't mind you asking a question, but I don't need to answer it. No, I mean, I'll be whistling Rocky Top by the end of the week. All our players, I mean, it's just like, right? I mean, you just hear it over and over, and, you know, like every other or every third song, it'll roll through within the crowd noise that we play at practice. So you just uh, you get used to it. It's a catchy tune, right? I mean, this game's going to be a street fight. This game's going to be a street fight. I mean, some of you guys don't know who Kimbo Slice is. Hopefully you do. Um, and you go back to it, man, this isn't a sanctioned fight. This is a street fight. I mean, this is the SEC. So, man, it's time. It's time to put on a hard hat. Lunch bell, let's get to work. All right, Chad, we got a ton to cover. So let's start. I know you've been wanting to talk about this. Let's go to Rocky Top. Your boys there. Tennessee Vols, 
quite a bit going on here. Camp starting to get underway. Sunday was the first practice with helmets and pads. So, you know, it's starting. To, it's no longer just looking at these dudes and see how they progressed in their shorts here. We got mm-hmm. some actual football here. And one thing that uh, really jumped out to me from Jeremy Pruitt's latest press availability was him talking about Jawan Jennings. Uh, and I want to talk about why this is kind of important to me. Uh, but let's jump to this clip of Jeremy Pruitt talking about Jawan Jennings. Coach, I know you said it's hard to fully judge without pads on, but Jawan seemed to be moving pretty well out there. What was your assessment of what you saw out of him, and how excited are you for that group under uh, T. Martin? You know, Jawan, um, he, he's, he's ready to go. We will probably monitor him a little bit, uh, probably for a week, you know, put him a little bit on a pitch count to, to ease him into it. But he, he's fine. He's, he's healthy. He's full speed. But... Uh, he obviously did miss a little bit of the summer conditioning, so uh, we'll ease him into it like we are a couple of guys. So, um, you know, Juwan really likes football. He, lo- he don't like it. He loves it. He loves football. He loves University of Tennessee. He likes to practice. He likes to play. Uh, he likes to be in the building. So, um, you know, you love coaching guys like Juwan. All right, Shane. So, obviously, Jeremy Pruitt very high on Juwan Jennings. And... You know, it's not like we didn't know this, but I kind of forgot about it because it was lost in the shuffle of all that craziness that was before Jeremy Pruitt came on and the coaching search. But it's interesting to hear Coach Pruitt talk about Juwan Jennings and just, you know, this is the type of player that they need. If if they had 85 Juwan Jennings type players, I think Tennessee would be a legitimate top 10 team. But you got to go back to before Pruitt was hired on. And you got to think, I mean, his career was hanging by a thread. He was kicked off the team by the AD and the interim coach. Mm-hmm. People didn't think he would be, I mean, some people didn't think he would be on the on the team. Damn, Jimmy Himes, I, I swear that entire summer, you know, every time he went on the air, it was just, here's why Jawan Jennings shouldn't be on the team. You know, <laughs> all these old assholes, stuff like that, just calling this guy out. But uh, And then here we go a couple years later. And to compound that, Juwan Jennings could be in the NFL right now making money, but I don't think he was happy with this 5-7 and seven season. He wasn't happy with you know not getting his full potential at Tennessee, his in-state school, the school he's always wanted to play for. He's coming back to finish right senior season, and this is a guy that uh, Jeremy Pruitt is singing his praises. And I, I think this is kind of a big deal. Dude, this is a huge deal. Jawan Jennings is Tennessee, man. I mean, he has been through the ringer. He came in as a quarterback. He did whatever he could to to contribute to this team. And, you know, and he got upset and dealt with some issues. But, damn, everybody had problems with that staff. And now we got Pruitt embracing him and understanding the dog he is. And this guy, like I said, is Tennessee football through and through it there's not i mean if you were to send a survey out now who's your favorite tennessee player right now Mm -hmm. it without a doubt by a landslide is Jawan jennings just because he i don't know it's like the fans live through him and i want nothing but the best and he wants nothing but the best for the team yeah and also i should have mentioned this as well we probably should give credit to uh the ad coach phil fulmer as well because i think uh had he, you know, not wanted Juwan Jennings on the team, I don't know if he 
would have done anything like that, but he had to embrace Juwan Jennings, and he has done that his entire time up there as well. And uh, I know that they have a, a pretty tight relationship, so credit should go to Coach Fulmer as well. Absolutely, man. I hope he's a team captain, brother. Now, that's the good on Tennessee. I don't want to necessarily say this is bad, Shane, but uh, I did want to make this note because they signed freshman receiver Gerard Means this past offseason, and this is his first training camp, obviously, and he's moved to defensive back. Jeremy Pruitt just talked about, you know, we got to get our best players on the field. So, you know, it's not it's obviously not doom and gloom by any means, but the way I read that, Shane, is either, you know, I don't think they have enough receivers to where they can just be flipping guys. I think what this really says is they're kind of concerned about the depth potentially at defensive back, maybe some special teams, and they're moving guys. We saw this last year. I mean, they were flip-flopping guys basically all off season, and we saw, you know, what happened on the field. So uh, any concern for you that uh, maybe – they're not happy with their depth at defensive back that they're switching a guy, you know, in his first training camp already? No, I, I don't. I think this is more just he looks better on that side of the ball. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Uh, because, honestly, I, I'm not overly confident with the depth of the receiving core. I know we were just talking about Juwan Jennings, but, you know, Juwan gets hurt and players get hurt. And, you know, there's a lot of there's going to be a lot of these young kids going to ask to be do a lot, asked to do a lot this year on that side of the ball. So, I think this more is just situational than it is actual uh, a concern. You know, right? And it, I think in today's NFL, particularly, there's just not enough tall corners and defensive backs. You can make a ton of money if you are not an elite receiver, but you're a big body and you develop those corner skills. If Gerard Means stays at defensive back, I mean, it, he could make a ton of money just, just by making that switch. Oh, yeah, for sure, man. All right, Shane, final thing here on Jeremy Pruitt. This happened on Sunday during Tennessee's picture day right before it. But uh, somebody asked Jeremy Pruitt about the heat there on Rocky Top. It's been very hot and humid. His response was pretty, was pretty good, Shane. Well, it hadn't been really that hot, so uh, it don't really get hot in Knoxville. I'm sure it's hot in Gainesville right now, so, but. <laughs> it ain't hot in Knoxville, Shane. It's hot in Gainesville. <laughs> ABC, buddy. Always be crooking, son. <laughs> well, I don't know about that, Shane, because I don't take this as a recruiting message. In my mind, this was a direct message to his team that if anyone is out there bitching, complaining about the heat, He's letting them know, you know, who's not bitching and playing it is those guys in Gainesville who worked through hot and humid weather and kicked our ass last year. So we need to step up our game, this camp, to reach the heights. That's how I read this. You read this more as a recruiting pitch? Yeah, yeah, I did. Because I I listened right before this, I listened to Morris talking. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, something he was talking about was he hopes that they string together a couple hundred degree days, you know, uh, and so that he could toughen these players. And you hear Kirby talk about the weather. He was talking about the heat, you know, creating grit and stuff like that. So when I listened to Coach, it just felt like, you know what, he's got a point. This is one of the coolest places to to, to play at, you know, year-round, as opposed to some of these other places that are triple digits this time of year. So, yeah, I took it kind of as a uh, crouton pitch. I think he's just letting his team know, man. We got uh, We got work to do. Don't you be bitching about the heat. 
Ooh, I like. I'm, don't get me wrong. I like that. I like that angle too. In fact, I think I like that angle more. So, uh, yeah, let's go with yours. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Shane. But it, it always it is always pretty up here, you know, compared to Gainesville. <laughs> so, <laughs> let's jump on down to Tuscaloosa, Shane, where roll tide. Alabama Nick Saban he met with the press recently. He had a lot to say. So uh, let's just jump right into it and. Yeah, there was the the whole Zach Smith text exchange email shit, but I don't really care about that, Shane. I'm more concerned about this upcoming season. And before we get into the goals of fall camp, Nick Saban, obviously, you know, Alabama, his team always comes ready to play at the beginning of the season. It just seems like they steamroll whoever they play in the opener. I thought this was a really good exchange when he was asked about the receivers of his program. You know, he's had a lot of a lot of really good receivers there at Alabama, but this is probably the best group they've ever had. And uh, I think he kind of gives a key to everyone else on the roster of why these guys are so great. Uh, specifically with the wide receivers and those, these you know, top four guys, what has been your assessment of them? Obviously, a decent amount of hype around that position here specifically. So just your you know, blanket assessment of that position. Well, I think that those guys were all, all very productive last year. I think that there's not a player on our team that doesn't have things that they can work on to improve uh, that will create more value for them and help them play more efficiently and effectively for our team. And I think that's sort of how I assess that position. Those guys are great competitors. They're hard workers. They do a good job. You know, average players really don't, they, they, they would like just to be left alone. You know, good players really want to be coached and great players want to be told the truth. And I think these guys are always seeking the truth in terms of what can they do, character, attitude, competitor, technical execution at their position, you know, to get better. So I have a lot of respect for what those guys have done here and how much I think they could uh, improve in the future and be even more productive. All right, Shane. So I, I don't know. I just particularly like that message about, you know, average players want to be left alone and these mm-hmm. elite players, they want to be told what they need to improve on. And that's something that I've never heard from any of these Alabama receivers that are currently on this program where never heard them complain about not getting the ball. Uh, you know, they they spread the ball out evenly between, you know, five or six elite guys that are probably all going to play in the NFL now, mm-hmm. it is easier when you got two as your quarterback, but still, I think Jalen Hurts was having some issues getting these guys the ball, and we still didn't even hear it from them. And uh, I think they're you know, some of the big-time leaders of this program. Yeah, and honestly, this is the first time in a long time in a roundabout way Coach Saban admitting that he's got a great receiving core. You know, Now, he didn't come out and say, uh, yeah, these guys are, are dynamite, but he says, you know, the great ones – want to be told the truth. And a lot of these guys that I've got on my team want to know the truth. So I'm taking it as a, as a huge compliment from coach, you know, the fact that he understands that he's got the best receiving core in the country and, and he knows it. And these guys are always wanting to prepare and get better. So, you know, they didn't get to finish last year and this year they they've got an opportunity to do so. Mm -hmm. All right, Shane. So I mentioned it just a moment ago, you know, Alabama typically has these, Big, high-profile openers. This year against Duke, obviously not as big, but you know in previous seasons they've played who USC, 
Florida State, uh, you know, Virginia Tech, Clemson back in the day. And it just seems like every time they just murder these teams. Last year was Louisville. (laughs) I mean, it's never even a contest. (laughs) Now, and I think that's because of the grind they put in during fall camp. He gets these guys ready to play from game one. Uh, So here's Nick Saban on the goals of every fall camp here at Alabama. Alabama, how much has preseason camp evolved during your time? And what do you look for in particular in preseason as you try to sort of identify what the identity of your team is going to be? Well, I think it's evolved a lot because we've changed how we practice, how we prepare. We've had a lot of rule changes relative to player safety. Um, But we've always tried to use fall camp as a, a character development period of time. We have a speaker every night. We have somebody who uh, has a message that's going to help players create value for themselves in terms of the choices and decisions they make you know, for their future. And it's not all geared toward football. Um, but you also want the hardcore fundamentals of intangibles that you want to try to create on your team probably is best done in the offseason and in fall camp. Things like discipline, mental and physical toughness, uh, guys creating the habits of giving the kind of effort that you want to have on your team, uh, understand the competitive standard that you have to play to when you play really, really good teams uh, in our league and outside of our league. So those are the hardcore fundamentals that you're trying to really establish. And obviously one of the things that uh, we're always trying to get a good handle on in fall camp is how do you execute? Not necessarily what play we're running, not necessarily what defense we're running, but how can we go and execute these things without making a lot of mental, mental errors? So the knowledge and experience that you can develop during fall camp uh, I think really helps players in that regard. I mean, it's hard to believe that this is his 13th training camp here in Tuscaloosa, Shane. But uh, I don't know. I just thought this was some kind of some wisdom that old old Saint Nick is passing down to us. Oh, that he has got it figured out. Man. You know, he's he's got the formula, and you know, but he's that's part of the formula is that he's always adapting. You know, things change, the rules change. Uh, you know, it was wasn't that long ago. Hell, you know, we had two a day's practice, you know, and now you can't even do that in high school. So just things are changing, constantly evolving. And that's one thing about Saban, man. He's like a uh, like a chameleon, man. And whatever they throw at him, he's got uh, he's got an answer for. Mm -hmm. And final thing on Alabama here, Shane, injuries updates. Uh, Miller Forrestal, his foot, according to Nick Saban, he should be back soon. But why that's kind of key uh, Alabama is really short on tight ends. I mean, this is a position group that, remember Nick Saban noted, you know, we may be looking to add someone in the, in the tr- grad transfer portal, whatever, but they never did do that. So I guess they never found a guy. I think they're down to, if four stalls out, they may be down to one scholarship tight end, if not two. And he was asked about it during the press conference. He got a little heated. Someone asked him, if, hell, do why don't are you going to uh, run a formation with no tight ends? And <laughs> he, he, was not ha- he was not happy with that question. So I think the answer is no on that one. Uh, defensive end LeBron Ray is ankle. They expect him to be back in a week or so, but this is a key defensive player that they're really hoping to emerges this year as one of their star defenders. So 
Hopefully he's back soon, but if he's not, if he's gone a long period of time, that could be really bad. And then finally, defensive back Nigel not uh, Saban did not make clear what his medical issue is, but he said there's no timeline for him to return. And that's a guy that uh, came in very talented. I believe he's an All-American, but he's just he's never really been healthy down there in Alabama. So hopefully he he does make a chance to return, but uh, not looking good for Nigel not at this point. Yeah. You know, talking season's over, Mike, but now it's prayer season. You just pray your boys stay healthy, you know? Oh, yeah. I mean, that's the worst. You just, you hate to see uh, anyone get injured, but you know what's coming. You just got to, you know, that's why you put in the work the off season, so, you, so it don't happen, you know? That's right, man. All right, Shane, let's jump on down to Athens. Oh, dog, sick him! Kirby Smart met with the media here recently, and uh, much like Nick Saban, obviously worked for him for years and years. Yeah, obviously he picked up quite a bit, and uh, I thought this was pretty interesting when he was talking about the dogs and the, what they plan to get out of this training camp. Uh, Kirby Smart kind of uh, revealed a little bit of, of what's going on down in Athens. I think training camp's a grind, and I think it's important that it is that way. You create adversity in camp. Um, you know, we practice almost every day with the exception of uh, we have to give them a day off per week. But it's 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 a grind. And you go to the point of getting exhausted. You go from running two, 3,000 yards a workout in the summer to possibly running five, 6,000 at practice. So we create adversity through how we practice. The heat creates adversity. Our team will be defined how they respond to all these situations. I mean, you guys may write and say it's going to be based on this guy or that guy, but it's really what who we become in camp. What is our level of toughness? What is our level of effort? What is our level of commitment to all the things that, that we've got to be good at? And we say all the time, it takes what it takes. It takes what it takes to be great. So there's really no choice. There's no decision. It takes what it takes. And it takes hard work, man. It takes beating the heat. And that's what this is about. It's finding who's got some grit uh, within them. All right, Shane. So obviously Kirby Smart, he knows what it takes to win it all. The Bulldogs don't know that. At least they haven't for a while here. But, I mean, they've been so damn close. And he's trying to get everyone on his team on board with what it takes to take that final step. Uh, I just thought this was just kind of interesting. I was talking about the adversity that they plan to put forth in this camp. You know, Mike, I think the biggest offseason for any team is Georgia. Just as much hype as they've been getting coming into this season, the last thing that you need to do is stay stale or take a step back. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, Al- Alabama's always been at top. Nick knows how to perform, and so does Kirby because he was on that staff. But, you know, they've got to always excel and try to move forward. You can't get complacent. And that's the last thing you want Georgia doing. So, if you remember last year in fall camp, you know, Kirby was fired up about some of these guys coming out and not performing as hard as they should have. And they can't have that this year or it may have the same consequences later in the season. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good point, Shane. Now, one thing, you know, we're both very high on Georgia. A lot of that has to do with the talent, and a lot of that has to do with Kirby Smart. I mean, I think he certainly showed me quite a bit as a head coach. I didn't think he would be quite this good, but he's also got some, you know, some lessons to learn because there have been some questionable calls that he has made, Mm -hmm. and he was asked about what he has learned about being coach a head coach going into his fourth year. I thought this was uh, some interesting comments here from Kirby. 
that don't sweat the little things. I mean, at the end of the day, there's a lot of big things going on that are a lot more important than the little things, and, and don't sweat them. And whatever it is, keep moving because it'll pass. I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of details that I still really focus on because I like to, and I think it's important. Every inch of practice, we only get a limited amount of time on that grass. So every inch of that's really important. Outside of that, you know, making sure that your, your coaches have the freedom to coach and your coaches have uh, their personality impacting their position groups. All right, Shane. So, yeah, I mean, Georgia has the talent to win a national championship. Anyone that tells you differently doesn't know what they're talking about. Obviously lost both their coordinators this offseason. Obviously Kirby Smart never beaten Nick Saban as a head coach, never won a national championship as a head coach. So I think it is fair to question whether he can get that done. But, you know, I, I think it's good that he's admitting some of these things that uh, he's had to learn and – and he's working toward to always uh, be a better head coach because I see those same traits in Nick Saban. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Saban bounces around. He's got his hand on everything. and But, you know, again, he doesn't micromanage. And I think taking a step back and letting some of these assistants, like he said, kind of reflect their personality and their traits into the coaching, I, I think that's huge and let Kirby kind of back up from the situation and just kind of delegate a little bit more so that he can focus on more. And uh, I don't know, just he's saying all the right things. This is year four, Mike. And I'm telling you, man, this is this is it. This is the magic year. They're going to lose a lot of talent on that offensive side of the ball. And I know they're deep, but it just seems like if there's ever a year that they are going to take over the Crimson Tide or just the SEC in general, it's going to be this year. Mm-hmm. And a big piece of that puzzle could potentially be Zamir White, Shane. Kirby Smart announced the running backs fully cleared for contact. From what I understand, he's not even wearing knee braces. Uh, This is a guy that uh, blew out one knee in high school, and then he's coming. He was in Georgia's camp and blew out the other one. So some terrible luck there for Zamir White. But this is the nation's number one running back in the 2018 recruiting class. And I think the, the true beauty of this, Shane, is, you know, they're saying he's full go, he's 100%, but they don't really even need him to be. You know, they, they need <laughs> right. this guy to be a solid third or fourth option. And if he somehow emerges to be, I don't want to say equal to uh, DeAndre Swift, because I think that would be an unfair expectation, but if he's, you know, near that quality, I mean – I don't know. It makes my head hurt to think about what they could do on the ground next season. Well, I'll tell you, man, I know we didn't play the clip, but he he pepped up a little bit when we started talking about Zamir Watts. So I don't know if that's just he's excited that he's back or maybe he thinks that he can get more out of him, you know, than, than maybe we think. But uh, he was – you could just tell, you know, Coach didn't get too excited, but when Zamir's name came up, it was a little – there was a little twinkle in his eye, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we obviously hope he is fully healthy this year and sees the field. I'm really curious. This is one of the key guys for Georgia that I'm very interested to see this coming season because if he reaches his full potential, like I said, he's probably only going to be second, third string, maybe even fourth string, but – Man, if he if he showcases his full talent, um, I don't know. I'm just very curious where this offense could go. Oh, for sure. They're going to get him on the field soon, man. I think he wants to get hit. 
All right, Shane, let's jump on down to Lexington. Well, Mark Stoops met with the media for the first time just the other day, and uh, he's talking, he kind of walked back the old 35 to 40 throws a game talk. <laughs> you know, it, it is important. You've heard me you know, tell you the statistics. You know, we do all the, the data, and, and uh, you know, the, the, that's not going to change. You know, when you, you know, outrushing your opponent by one yard gives you a, a big advantage. You know, so playing good run defense and being able to run the ball is critically important. Um, that, that's, a, that's a proven fact, certainly in our league. But every year, and you've heard me talk about that this year, um, that every team is different. You, know, you have to find the best way you can to help them win. If that is throwing the ball, however many times that is, if we have to do that to give us the best opportunity to win, then we'll do that. You know, we'll, we'll see how, how it plays out. And I think that's the point he was trying to make. And, I, and I, he, he's piggybacking my comments. That's what I've said. You know, whatever we need to do, every team's different. Um, we're a different football team this year than we were last year. We're going to be improved in certain areas and maybe not as good. But, you know, we're never going to give our kids an out. You know, we're always looking to uh, continue to build and improve in all areas. All right, Shane, so obviously the running game, very important to Mark Stoops. He understands, you know, you got to stop the run. you got to be able to run the ball to win the, the SEC. Mm-hmm. But he didn't totally walk this back because he said, hell, if, I mean, if this is what we have to do to win, Lynn Bowden's a hell of a receiver. You know, the, obviously the big key to this whole thing would be Terry Wilson progressing as a passer. But I thought it was kind of wise of Mark Stoops to, to kind of walk this one back. Well, yeah, but I, I see where he's coming from, too. He's saying – he said what we were thinking, you know, that this team's going to be different. They've got guys that aren't going to be there next year, so they're going to have to pay – they're going to have to play toward what they're good at, and they're going to have to hide a little more what they're not good at. So if that involves – and it sounds to me like it's going to involve more of a passing game. And, and I don't know if it's – he doesn't trust the line as much or the running backs as much or or if that means he's got more faith in the Terry and Bowden, you know. It, it seems to me like it's more the latter than the than the first. But that's what you got to do, man. This is Kentucky. He wants to improve. And to improve, you gotta you got to play to your strengths. Yeah, and the other thing we have here on Stoop Shane, this was uh, <laughs> this was a very strange question asked of Mark uh, Stoop. So I, I know you did not, you were not a fan of this, this one, one, but no. basically a guy asked him, uh, you know, why are you so high on your team considering they're going to suck? <laughs> Mark, I hear you speaking so confidently up there. Uh, any head coach in their right mind would be underselling their team this year based on the number of people mm-hmm. that they lost. Mm-hmm. What is it about you that makes you just. <laughs> There's no, no there's, we're not interested in going back, and that, that's just you know we're not you know we're not here to take steps backwards, and, and we're not you know we're continuing to grow, we're continuing to improve the program, and you know that's not just coach speak when I say those things. You know the outcome will take care of itself. I know I'm judged ultimately on wins and losses, uh, but but internally we're judged on how we're building our program and what we're doing to continue to grow and put ourselves in a position to be successful, because that's what it's all about. You could go back seven years and hear me basically say the same message, that uh, you know we're gonna work hard to do the things necessary to be, that we believe are gonna help us be successful, and we're not gonna waver from that. You always learn, 
you know, we're in a learning environment. We try to learn and grow every day. And, uh, but you also, you know, have to stick to your beliefs and the, the things that you know are helpful to help you be successful and win games. This is the worst question. I'm, I'm, I listen to this. I'm like, who the hell is this? Who invited this guy? Is this a Louisville guy or something, you know? And he's just trying to get it. But he's like giggling the whole time. I'd never ask, let this guy ask another damn question. If it was me, I'd, I'd say, Stoops, I said, just make sure he's not in the tent, wherever we're doing our press. Jeez, stupid question. It was a really solid answer, though, from Mark Stoops. I mean, they, they this is a developmental program. We've hit on it before, and it's just time for these – now the new upperclassmen to step up their game. And, hell, Shane, I mean, Kentucky, at least on paper, if you look at it, they're only scheduled to play two teams with the, that are currently ranked in the coaches' poll. Um, it's not like they're going to be completely devoid of talent. They're going to have, outside of uh, the defensive backs, I mean, they've got experience returning all over the football team. Mm-hmm. Um I don't know. I, I mean, how yeah. many how many times can Mark Stoops be asked this damn question this offseason? T- and this dumbass asked his question, and he's like, he he's saying, okay, you're not, you've lost all this talent. You're obviously going to suck next year. How do you how do you convince your guys that you're going to be better? You know, and it's just like this is the dumbest. This is Kentucky media day. You know, I mean, you should be pro Kentucky, I would think, not pro bashing. So. Uh, yeah, they should never let this guy back in there. It's so stupid. <laughs> Sorry, I'm a little fired up because that was just when I heard that, and I listened, I listened to it two or three times, and I was like, "This, who is this guy?" You know, it sounds like a Tennessee guy went up there and asked the question. You know, like, "Thank God you're gonna you gonna suck this year." You know, not saying that they will, but damn, this guy made it sound like they're gonna be horrible. It must have been the same guy that asked uh, Muschamp about the being little brother. <laughs> yeah, he's just he's just going to team to team just to ask stupid questions, you know. <laughs> All right, Shane, let's jump to Fayetteville. Woo pig. Where old Chad Morris met with the media. He's talking up his quarterback Shane and talking up uh, the plan there under center. Uh, I thought these were. You know, the quarterback stuff initially was was not that interesting, but his plan for his quarterbacks, this is kind of the most important part for me. First impressions of the quarterbacks day one? Um, I, I was I was very impressed. I was very impressed. They were, they were uh, one, they were all working together. Uh, they were very accurate um, in communicating when, when, when something wasn't right or they didn't like it a look. They were talking and talking to each other. Um, I, I was very impressed. I thought the ball jumped out of all their hands extremely well. I thought we were, again, accurate. Um, we pushed the ball down the field early in practice and uh, challenged them late in practice in some team settings. And uh, we hit some deep balls down the sidelines. Um, some guys did. So I, day one, I thought was really well, uh, really good. Quarterback situation because Hicks kind of really took command last spring. Is there any worry about have, opening up again where maybe you start the year kind of in in between like you were last year with Kelly and and uh, Story? I, I don't anticipate that. I really don't. I, I think that fall camp's going to work it out. Uh, you know, we we would love to have a guy in place sooner than later, but. Um, if, if we don't, then we don't. But but I, you know, when we get to that first game, we you know we would love to have a guy, and this is this is our guy, and we're gonna we're gonna run with it. Um, I, I do know this that we're gonna have to have them all to be successful. 
so we'll see. We'll see how it, it, it unfolds. I mean, I, what I saw today, I, th I think it's it's. Uh, I think we've got a great battle ahead of us, and I think that you know we've that position in itself is 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 um, is, is elevated everybody. All right, Shane, our boy Chad Boris sounded like he drank himself about <laughs> ten Red Bulls. He was fired <laughs> up for this damn presser. Uh, but like I said, the quarterback talk, you know, it was typical Chad Morris. He was real fired up, but I don't know that he said much of interest. But then when he got about started talking about the plan for the Razorbacks under center, you know, he was made it pretty clear that they do not want to do the waffling that they did last year. I think that really, you know, we've taught, we've mentioned it. That really kind of killed their offense last season. So, is there any chance? That Arkansas, because a lot of people are, ex are expecting Ben Hicks to start initially, Nick Starkle to take over. But he's sitting here basically mm -hmm. saying that's not the ideal plan for the Razorbacks. Is there any chance they name a starter in uh, week one he, and then the whole season it's the same guy? Uh, I don't think so, because I don't think our starter is going to be the one that ends this season. I think we're going to start with Hicks and end with someone else. And I'll tell you what, man, out of – all the pressers, I've never seen somebody so damn excited for day one than Coach Morris. He was like a kid in the candy store, man. All them got them boys back. They look bigger. I got 3,000 uh, freshmen here, and they're just ready to play. But one thing that stood out to me in the whole thing, uh, especially about the quarterback situation, is, you know, he was he, he didn't really mention a lot about Hicks. You know, just he was accurate. And, of course, everybody's accurate if you ask Morris. But – so there wasn't a lot of hype about Starkle, which I'm kind of surprised. He was more pumped about KJ. And, you know, something I asked you in the last pod, is there any chance that that he can surpass both Hicks and Starkle? Because when he's talking, dude, I'm telling you, he was he was on cloud nine about this guy. So I don't know if his body's in better shape or, you know, he likes the mobile, mobility a little bit better than the other guys because, you know, he really wants a dual-threat quarterback. Mm -hmm. So um, do you think there's a chance that we, we've we actually got a three-headed monster down here? No, I don't. I think uh, okay. I, I think you're drinking them Red Bulls too, Shane. <laughs> now, I, will, I wouldn't rule out K.J. Jefferson getting on the field this season. And this is the beauty of the new redshirt rule. You know, some of these garbage teams they play, like Portland State in the opener, yeah. you, maybe you do get K.J. Jefferson on the field, get him some reps, get him ready, and then you get to come back the following season with a redshirt freshman season. And, and, you know, there is a real chance that he could start, I think, in a year from now. Mm -hmm. But I don't know if you have two quality quarterbacks that have started big-time football – you know, put up a lot of numbers or started in the SEC. I don't know if you can, unless KJ Jefferson really is amazing, day one type guy. I don't know if you can justify putting him out on the field because then I think you're looking at another really rough off season or season of offensive football, mm -hmm. and I just don't know if people are going to be on board with that. You know. Well, my only drawback there is, you know, we're. We're putting a lot of cards or a lot of a lot of coins in uh, Starkle's corner here, and we think that he is going to give Hicks a run for his money. What if Starkle doesn't show up? You know, what if he's unprepared? What if he's not as good as we think he is? And then it becomes a race between Hicks and and the the field. You know what I'm saying? Because we know what Hicks is going to do. We've we've seen him in Morris's system. Mm -hmm. It just 
I don't know if it became a uh, if, if Starkle didn't progress like we thought he would, or if he's not going to be as good, or if Morris is just flat out not impressed with him, then I think we could see uh, a true freshman come in. It wouldn't surprise me because that's where we're at. Because we know we're creating a new culture here. That's something he hit on through this whole presser. And why not do it with a tr- freshman quarterback? Yeah, I just you know that's a good point. But I mean, Nick Starkle, he could have went to Florida State. He would have been their starter. He could have went to Duke. I don't know Duke's situation, but obviously we know they got David Cutcliffe and their quarterback just went in the first round to the to the Giants. I think those are two probably better options at this point than Arkansas. Mm-hmm. But for whatever reason, I mean, he picked Arkansas because he he likes his system. He likes what they're building. He sees, you know, they do they really do have some good running backs and some young receivers. I think he's got a ton of confidence that he can beat out this Ben Hicks, and I know he's got better arm, uh, a bit bigger upside. I don't know. I, I think it's just going to come a little slow because you got to remember this is you know the first time he's ever taken the field with any of these guys. So it would be a little bit of a surprise to me if he's blown the doors off Ben Hicks day one. But you know, week two, week three, I think that's when it you kind of start to see it. But uh, that's just me projecting. So, I mean, you could have a point, but I don't know. Yeah, I, but uh, again, I'm just, I'm just, I'm playing devil's advocate here. I'm not saying this is exactly what happened. Uh-huh. But what if he rolls in like Malik Henry on last SU? You know, <laughs> just thinking this is his job. He got work for it. People are going to cater to me because they've been kissing his ass through the whole recruiting process. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? What if he rolls in with that type of attitude? And Morse is like, man, you, I don't have to have you. You know, I, if, if he's been told that he could have been a start quarterback, Florida State, and Duke, and yada, 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 you know, who knows, man? This kid's head probably couldn't fit through the door. So <laughs> I'm just saying there's a chance that this guy came to camp unprepared, and Morris is kind of reflecting that when he's talking about the quarterback situation. Yeah, I mean, in that case, I think obviously you do start Ben Hicks, and then kind of like you've kind of hinted at, Maybe give KJ Jefferson some more looks, and then next season KJ's your starter because yeah. he does fit this offense better than uh, both these guys. So, but I I just don't think you play him much as a true freshman in the SEC. No, I got you. I got you. And it, one other thing, I thought this was pretty interesting, Shane, because we you know we like to give Morris a hard time here, but he was very honest about the fact that. You know, there were some struggles with buy-in. Now, he didn't say it was unique to his team or anything. He's He didn't call anyone else out, but he just, just discussed how tough it is for a lot of football players to buy in to a new coaching staff, and, and that's certainly something they felt last year in Fayetteville. There was, there's a perception out there that when y'all came in last year that some guys didn't really buy in. Uh, is that a fair assessment, and can you quantify – maybe how much this team may be buying in well I, you know i i don't want to i don't want to go back to last year i mean you know the guys last year th- those guys you know they didn't ask for a coaching change and you know change is hard change is hard when you you've been recruited to a certain style and you recruited by certain coaches and you've gone through a couple of coordinators or a couple of two or three strengths coaches um that's tough that's tough on a young man and, um, you know, when we came in, we brought a whole different style, style of training, style of offense, style of defense. And when that happens and you've got an older player, it's 
man, they, they've been gone. They've gone through a lot of change, and so it's really hard um, to sit and go, man, I got four months left. God, here I go again. So I, I don't. I don't think anybody. I really don't think anybody says I'm not buying in. I don't, I don't think the time, from the time we got here to the time we got into the season, there was enough time to build the relationship and the trust to have a complete buy-in. And I don't think that's just for this football team. I think that goes across to changes across, when you see coaching changes all across at all levels. Um, we've been together now 18 months. They know exactly what we expect. They know how we train. They know what our standard is. And there's no doubt in my mind that this football team is, 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 is obviously more full capacity than we were a year ago. And you would expect that. I, I expected that um, when I stepped out on that field. And you see it. And you feel it. I, I feel it. I walked in here and said, I felt it. I come back in the team, I feel it. These guys, uh, uh, these guys are ready. And um, you know, our culture has never been stronger. And, and we've got to do the things in college football that everybody else is doing, but we got to do them better. And it's the little things. All right, Shane. So I appreciated this honesty this from Chad mm-hmm. Morris. And I think the only, the only way he says this is if he truly believes it's no longer an issue. Because it clearly was an issue. I mean, there, yeah. was, there were so many times last year they looked disjointed. You know, obviously the worst example was that North Texas game where the the damn guy returned the punt and no one, no one touched him. You know what I mean? Yeah. So uh, if they have that cleared up this year, I, you know, I obviously don't expect Arkansas to like threaten in the West, but I think they could surprise a lot of people because I just so many people think they're like the shittiest team that ever existed <laughs> coming into the season. I don't think they're quite that bad. Yeah. And this, you know, I, I, when I heard this, I kind of thought of it as how, how could this relate to us? And let's say you're you're at work and you're working with Brett Bielema and he's uh, one thing about Brett is like he's a very likable guy. You know, you talk to a lot of players. They love this guy. You know, maybe they recruited him up there and then he gets fired and then they bring in a new guy and it's Chad Morris and he's all amped up and he's throwing these, you know, mottos around left and right and you're just like it, it's hard to buy in especially if you felt like you got burnt you know because brett brought you up and then and then now you're having to try to buy into a new culture i just think it was night and day over there in arkansas and they were in they were in a rough spot man you know they were they were thin up front they had a tough schedule and they just had a rough year last year so i just think that they have turned over a new leaf but that, that I could see how that would be tough as a, just a person, man. Mm-hmm. And final thing here on the Razorbacks, Shane, some unfortunate news. You know, you talked about how bad it is to hear injury stuff, but an offensive tackle, Noah Gatlin, who started, I believe, two games last year at right tackle, played in four. He was contending for a starting spot at right tackle, suffered an ACL tear, according to his stepmom. And he did get injured at practice there on Friday. And this is tough news. You know, it's not not going to cripple the team or anything. But Arkansas is so thin on that offensive line. They struggled so much last year. They signed a ton of offensive linemen for a reason. So losing a redshirt freshman tackle that was potentially going to start for you, be in the rotation at least, uh, this, is a, this is a blow here for Arkansas. Yeah, I know. Especially from last year, though. What I was just saying, it just you're hurt already. You know what I'm saying? You just don't want this thing to snowball and other linemen get infected. So that really sucks, man. 
Mm-hmm. All right, Shane. So I hate to do this to the listeners, but I think we're going to have to cut this one short. It's basically my bedtime already, and I still got to edit this thing. <laughs> but we have got some really good stuff lined up. I had a like a mega show, but we kind of recorded a little too late. So we'll get to some other teams on the next episode. But we got good stuff on just about every other SEC team. Uh, mm-hmm. Anything that we got to get to before we hop off on this one, Shane? No, uh, it is extremely late. And I appreciate you uh, staying up. Hell, it's almost midnight. So um, we're going to get us the, the rest of the teams. We'll have those out tomorrow. And I appreciate you guys hanging out with us. Yeah, thanks, Shane. Thank you for joining me. You got that brand new computer. You sound amazing. (laughs) What'd you say, Derek Mason? (laughs) I'm back. (laughs) But thanks, everyone, for tuning in. We really appreciate it, and uh, we'll catch you on the next one. All right, see you guys. Go Vols.